This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What we had was a cryptocurrency platform that grew rapidly in the late 2010s and early 2020s, then did not have a compliance program that was up to code given the rapid growth of the overall business. So that led to various sorts of compliance failures under the New York DFS rules for cryptocurrency. This is Tom Fox. In this episode, we take a look at the state of New York's Department of Financial Services fine involving Coinbase around their compliance program. We take a look at how the uh, failures happened, how the remedy put in place made it even worse, and what the final settlement was with the DFS. There's lots of lessons for the compliance professional here as Coinbase experienced literally explosive growth and compliance did not keep up. Before we get started with our podcast, a quick word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. I'm Tom Fox and my co-host, Matt Kelly. We're going to go live today because we've got a really interesting case to enforcement action to talk about that's got huge implications for compliance across the board. Matt, first of all, welcome. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. So, Matt, one of the more interesting enforcement agencies in America is the New York State Department of Financial Services, and they had a equally interesting enforcement action involving the crypto trader Coinbase. You've blogged about it, which we're going to link to in the show notes. What did you see in this? Or perhaps I should step back and ask you, maybe give us a little background into this, and then we'll go into what you saw that made it. Don't dive shock here, but what we had was a cryptocurrency platform that grew rapidly in the late 2010s and early 2020s, and then did not have a compliance program that was up to code given the rapid growth of the overall business. So that led to various sorts of compliance failures under the New York DFS rules for cryptocurrency, because DFS, as you said, is a agency in New York that has a lot of power for financial firms. And so they wound up sanctioning Coinbase for poor customer due diligence, poor transaction monitoring, poor know-your-customer and AML processes. They fined Coinbase $50 million, assigned a compliance monitor who actually, in fact, had already been assigned to Coinbase last year, but now will extend the stay for another year. And Coinbase must also now spend another $50 million over the next two years 
on compliance program improvements. So it's a case of a company trying to revamp its compliance program, and it was, but it wasn't revamping it and keeping it up nearly as much as it needed to, that the company's growth was just racing ahead. So even if you motor ahead, you're still falling behind. And that's what we have here. Matt, it struck me in reading your blog post of two analogies. We sometimes talk about compliance and upgrading your program is changing an engine at 40,000 feet at 4,000 miles an hour on a jet plane. But it struck me that this might be switching out your new rocket as you're hurtling towards Jupiter in uncharted territories at the speed of light. Or we have both been in this space for 15 to 20 years, and it struck me that we are actually seeing industries burgeoning and having to do compliance faster and quicker in ways that we haven't seen in traditional companies, whether they be financial services, energy companies, tech, or other. And so it seems to me to just be a fascinating experiment. And as you said, Coinbase tried, but they made some missteps. So what were their missteps? Basically, the misstep was that the company was not investing enough to beef up and automate and make scalable, very specifically, its customer due diligence programs, and even more specifically, the enhanced customer due diligence that financial firms might need to engage in. All corporations, non-financial or otherwise, yes, you have to do third-party due diligence and perhaps even some customer due diligence, but for financial firms, there are going to be higher risks or classes of high-risk customers who will have to do what is known as enhanced due diligence. So you really have to get into the weeds of what sort of documentation these people have, what is the nature and purpose of the transactions they're doing with your financial firm. It is an extra layer of due diligence most financial companies won't encounter. But nonetheless, if we said they were growing like weeds, their customer base was expanding rapidly, and they did not expand their enhanced due diligence processes to keep pace with that growth. I think every compliance officer, regardless of industry, like you're going to get what that means. And I really what the problem was here is because Coinbase wasn't ramping up its compliance program on a scale commensurate with its rapid growth. And I'll give you a factoid about the growth in a moment. But because its compliance program was not able to perform all this customer due diligence, do all transaction monitoring, it had these huge backlogs. What started as DFS doing a routine regulatory exam, all sorts of financial firms have to do regulatory exams. They happen at large banks almost every year. A couple of different regulators will wind up doing them. It started as a regulatory exam. DFS quickly realized this program has all sorts of gaps. So maybe they're engaging in sketchy things because it's crypto. And very quickly then it became an enforcement investigation to see what sort of misconduct are you allowing to happen compliance function is not able to find and intercept these sketchy characters or monitor these sketchy transactions. A backload of 100,000 suspicious transactions you have not examined yet, at least some of them must be untoward, which of course was the case. So that's a routine regulatory exam to a much more serious enforcement probe and bada boom, bada bing, $100 million in expense later, here we are. I'd like to just re-emphasize those numbers. 
100,000 transactions to review and 14,000 new customers. This is not a few that slip through the cracks. This is massive numbers that need to be reviewed. And I was also intrigued by the rather routine nature of the initial DFS audit, which picked these up because it does beg the question, why didn't Coinbase seem to understand their obligations at that point? But after the DFS did pick it up and did bring it to their attention, they took steps to remedy it. I'm not sure the Coinbase remedy was worse than the original problem, but it brought together a whole new set of problems. So I did promise a couple of factoids about the scope of Coinbase's overall growth. And Tom, you flagged two of them there, the 100,000 suspicious transactions that had not been investigated yet, 1,000 enhanced customer due diligence needs that had not been done. But think of it this way, the revenue base in 2021, Coinbase's revenue was $7.8 billion. That seems like a fairly substantial chunk of change. But just two years earlier, Coinbase's revenue was $35 million. So they went from $535 million to $700 or $7,800 million, $7.8 billion in just two years. Huge. And that was the problem there. So they went up with these backlogs. And then, Tom, you're right, what they had... Uh, eventually started to do here will say, why don't we hire a bunch of third-party contractors to burn through the backlog in a matter of two or three months? And they promised the FS we would be able to do this. So they hired more than a thousand third-party contractors to start burning through that backlog of transactions that needed to be reviewed. And lo and behold, there was no system in place to do quality control over these thousand contractors. So a lot of what they did was terrible work. In particular, there were, I think, the contractors who had cleared some 73,000 suspicious transactions. In a couple of months, three people doing 73,000 actions. Then the majority of those failed an audit quality check by DFS. So you can see the picture here. You have a big pile of work that needs to be done, and everybody says, why don't we hire a bunch of contractors to do it? That's not an unusual idea in corporate America, but they had no real system to manage who are these contractors, how do we know that they're skilled, how do we know that they are applying skill diligently throughout all of the transactions, no quality control whatsoever, and then they wound up with a whole lot of crap. That was the unfortunate outcome here, which did not help Coinbase's compliance situation, and it didn't DFS either. So I think if there was any clear lesson here, it's just that before you throw money or manpower at a compliance program, you really need to build a solid foundation of clearly defined procedures, ideally supported by some sort of automated technology to help people go through those procedures. But you need to know what procedures are so that they can be scaled up and you can still ensure that the quality at the end of that procedure is still good. That didn't seem to be what happened to Coinbase. They just hired a bunch of independent contractors. I don't the contractors, but none of them were good. Clearly, a few of them did a lot of the work and just kind of burned on through it. And it was just a mess. You had a couple of fairly telling statistics about the contractors 
who came on board. I'll see if I can find them. One, the audit found that three contractors had cleared some 73,000 suspicious transactions alerts. Yeah. That number alone, I don't know how many hundred people you would need that, but that alone seemed to me to be verging on the edge of illogical. It's all also done within a matter of a couple of months. At the end of 2021, Coinbase had promised DFS, we'll be able to do this by April or June 2022. And then they said that they did it. And then DFS went and looked at the client work. So clearly, if the work is substandard and you're just rubber stamping suspicious transaction alerts as clear, some of them are going to be wrong. And now your poor compliance has let some illicit activity go through. And now that's, again, how you go from a regulatory exam, which is not an unusual thing, to an enforcement investigation, which is a big problem. And let's also remember that crypto is not really a place to hang out for most people. There are some very seedy characters who are doing very seedy things. And that was known in Coinbase, too. One example that really stood out to me was Coinbase did not bother to follow up on one customer who had an arrest record for child pornography. And then he was allowed to use the Coinbase platform to conduct transactions and subsequently used it to apparently fund more child pornography. There was evidence of illicit drug transactions, a lot of child porn, a lot of human trafficking abuse. We still have to get through to, you know, the basic fact that a lot of cryptocurrency transactions are pretty sketchy things. And I'm still stuck on why do we need this at all? You know, the AML risks around crypto are sky high. And at this point, every crypto firm knows that. And they need to think through how are we going to manage due diligence, enhanced due diligence, transaction monitoring, suspicious activity report. How can we do that at scale and do it as automated as possible? Now, banks have had to do that for a long time, but nonetheless, crypto often gives you these enforcement actions that give us a lot of examples. Okay, let's not do that. Let's make sure that we don't make those same mistakes which I do still see a lot of routine traditional banks. They've got a lot of AML clients burdens and they're still doing manual processes with two dudes in a back desk somewhere who's supposed to burn through the backlog. The same problems affect banks, but at this point, we all should know better. Could I perhaps guess banks are a little more mature in their L programs? But I guess the thing that intrigued me about your post and you touched on it, and I really want to expand our discussion on it, was the solution. And you, you said what I thought there were the three things, three basic things, policies and procedures, a tech solution, which allows a quick, efficient screening of multiple thousands of transactions or persons, and then a trained human set of eyes to evaluate all that. Yeah. And that seemed to me to are, <laughs> encapsulate what is needed in an important part of compliance programs. So I wanted to maybe see if we could spend a few minutes talking about that, because when I started this pod with my observation that we're seeing really a compliance program grow from nothing, that was the thing that struck me. And your three thoughts at the end about really this type of compliance needs. And so maybe we could spend a little time on each one of those. So policies and procedures. Would it be simply the policy that third parties or transactions are going to be looked at with some rigor detailing the scope of that rigor so that new people 
to compliance could be onboarded or third-party assistance VAs or others could be onboarded? Or did you have something else in mind around policies and procedures? No, I think that any company, but crypto firms specifically, and also banks and non-financial firms, you just need policies about how are we going to perform due diligence on customers. Very specifically to finance, you need not just risk ranking, but ideally a more automated sort of dynamic risk scoring of your customers so that you can observe their behaviors over time Because in finance, they're making so many different transactions on your platform so often that their risk profile might change quite quickly. And that is something that ultimately Coinbase is now moving towards is this dynamic risk scoring of its parties to get a better grip on who is or isn't there. Fundamentally, and for compliance professionals who aren't in banking, who are wondering, Matt, Tom, what has this got to do with me? I do think a lot of the dysfunction here. It's applicable to FCPA compliance, where you might have thousands and thousands of third parties coming and going. You have to apply due diligence to them, but you really want a sort of risk rating of giving more due diligence to your higher risk third parties. But you also want to make sure that you're not just doing the bare minimum of collecting facts about all of them in a sort of very cut and dried sort of performance. You want to get more documentation from the higher risk parties to make sure that is all done before it reaches human at your company to decide, yes, we'll approve this. No, we won't. It was I was struck that DFS did offer a couple of points on what it expected to see in a due diligence program. And it expects a lot of fulsome, energetic collection of information about the party, but that all has to be woven into the approval processes that the company has before actually allowing a customer onto the platform. That makes a lot of sense if you could adopt it as an FCPA analog, that you've got different tiers of third parties. The higher the tier, the more data you want to collect. And all of that has to go to a human for actual approval before you onboard the third party if they are high risk. I think a lot of FCPA people would say, yeah, I get that. That's how it should work. Clearly, it's how it should work in crypto as well, and that's not how it was working in Coinbase because they didn't have the scalability for all of their super fast growth. The tech solution. I think we've both been exposed to companies that provide tech services in both company and individual backgrounds for due diligence, as well as tech solutions for transactions, a huge number of transactions or a small number of huge transactions. So it also struck me of the need to have investment in technology, not have a tech deficit in your company if you're moving that fast. Any thoughts really around the tech solution? We could probably talk about that for hours on a separate podcast, but I like the phrase that you used, a technology deficit. And the faster the company grows, investing in the compliance program somehow, the bigger that tech deficit is going to get. And as I mentioned before, I have seen enforcement actions from some very large and supposedly well-established banks who have the same sort of a problem, that they've got battalions of and oodles of suspicious transactions, and their transaction monitoring team is two or three people who fall woefully behind. So you do need some way to automate as much as possible. But this is where we get into, we could talk about it all day. There's going to be plenty of vendors who would warn correctly that a lot of automated technology will give you false positives 
and then you're chasing your tail. So do you want to invest in AI that gives you fewer flags that are more likely to be correct? In general, yes. In practice, how are you going to evaluate that vendor? How are you going to fit them in to your existing systems? Like Those are all questions for another day. But there is no way you address this problem without technology. And then your third component was, and the DFS seemed to hit on this as well, was a well-trained professional to review and oversee the process, or as the DFS said, a fulsome review. It really spoke to me of those who say tech's going to take over the compliance space. No, it's not. No. And it's never going to. And whether it's 100,000 transactions or 5,000 transactions or five transactions, you're still going to have to put a seasoned set of eyes on it to review it all. So how could a company begin to think through scaling up on a human scale or with a human solution, the third part that you identified after policies and procedures and a tech solution? I think that you really need to decide how are we going to handle our highest risk customers and then our next highest risk customers, the regular high customers, and then the medium customers. But the risk, the higher the human level of approval there should be. But again, that means you have to sit down and think about it. You have to have a policy for it. You actually have to have the people for it. And this is another thing that I'll be very curious to watch the Coinbase action because Coinbase grew so rapidly in 2021 and 2020. And I don't know how they grew in 2022, but last I heard, the crypto market was in the tank for most of 2022. So if they go through a rapid how are they going to manage, again, keeping a effective compliance program? You don't necessarily want to spend boatloads on good tech that might not necessarily need because now the business is shrinking. But how do you manage human approvals if you might have to lay off your staff, which some crypto firms are doing? It's yet another reason why watching the crypto sector is fascinating right now for all compliance people. Crypto is going through so many challenges all at once that other firms will encounter from time to time. But ultimately, I think you need to sit down as the actual people and realize what are the humans that would need to be involved at what levels, what information would they need? Can we help the human approval process by giving better information because we have better technology giving that better information to the people? But yeah, Tom, to your point that you mentioned about AI coming to take everybody's jobs, that's not true. And I'll give you a very prosaic example of why that is not true, is even if we had the AI that was flawless in being able to decide and evaluate all these customers, a different part of the Biden administration now at the federal level, they're talking about if you're going to have AI decide processes for humans, you have to disclose that and give the actual humans notification that AI is deciding your application. And if you don't like it, you can appeal to a human which brings us right back to the human approval. So you still need a carbon-based life form at the end of this automation that you may or may not be doing. It's very complicated. I'm not saying that Coinbase or anybody else is the answers, but this enforcement action does a great job of making you stop and appreciate the scope of the problem. Oh, Matt, that seems like a great place to put an end point on this podcast. Lots of lessons. Um, the DFS has some really interesting enforcement actions and you're right, they put a lot of information into their orders that give us some insights that we can use in other areas. Thanks again, and look forward to see what next week brings us. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. 
I'm pleased to announce that Compliance Into the Weeds won a 2022 Communicators Award in two categories for the best co-host and for best business podcast. So thanks to all of our listeners who supported us for the Communicator Awards. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into the compliance weeds. Finally, if you've thought about starting your own podcast, please contact me. I'd love to help you either uh, help you produce your podcast or put you on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.